Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Turn back in your Bibles to 1 John once again. We've been looking at the book of 1 John the last couple of weeks. And we've been talking about the fact that John is dealing with a group of believers in the church that basically uh, they have lost their way in terms of knowing uh, the true gospel. They've been clouded by some of these other teachers that have come into the church to to teach uh, a different gospel than John taught. And it's very uh, relevant for us today because there's a lot of people in different churches that seem to have uh, people that want to... Um, express their beliefs as the gospel. They have no basis of uh, the gospel uh, or the, the scriptures to uh, be the basis for uh, their teaching. Uh, primarily, this stems from the fact that uh, we have, in our day and age, uh, lifted up all the churches that are big and successful. We tend to we tend to put a spotlight on those churches that are uh, uh, running thousands of people in the church and uh, we make the pastors into be uh, celebrities. Uh, you know, they're on TV or they're on the radio. They're uh, doing all these different things, going on book tours. They write books and, and going on speaking engagements. And some of them have uh, uh, so many speaking engagements. They buy their own jets or their own planes. And we, in our society of, of being... Um, Rewarding, uh, we tend to reward those pastors because uh, we uh, have mislabeled a lot of people as success. Uh, having a lot of people in your church means you're popular. It doesn't mean you're successful. It doesn't necessarily mean you're a successful pastor or a successful church of sharing the gospel simply because a lot of people attend. Um, you can have a lot of people in a concentration camp and doesn't mean that you're you got a good church. Uh not saying that these churches are concentration camps, but uh, a lot of people doesn't mean that you're a successful church. It just means there's a lot of people going. Uh and uh so we tend to uh lift up these pastors that have a lot of a lot of people and they write books and they go on speaking tri- uh, tours and things like that and and they they tend to uh, begin to get full of themselves and start believing their own hype and their own uh, message and they tend to uh, uh, try and and uh, deliver something that's not there and they wind up uh rewriting uh, scripture or theology in their own brand, their own uh, uh, 
their own style to the point where they begin to teach a different uh, theology, a different uh, scripture than what is given by God. John was dealing with a group of people known as Gnostics. And we've talked about Gnosticism enough in this church to know it was a big problem in the first century uh, church. It was basically the idea that uh, you get closer to God through knowledge and not just any general knowledge, not just simply, well, I, I'm going to read this science book from the school and I'm going to have more knowledge when I get finished reading it so I'll be closer to God. No, uh, they uh, had their own special knowledge that uh, they tended to believe that the leaders of the Gnosticism uh, believed that they had a special knowledge that was given to God, a special revelation that was uh, then some Something that they uh, and they alone had. So they, if you uh, were a, a adherent to Gnosticism, you would follow uh, these teachers and learn the special knowledge that they and they alone had received from God. And you still have people to this day doing similar things like that. They, uh, well, for instance, the. Uh, 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 well, the Mormons, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, they believe they have a special knowledge from God, a special teaching from God. They have a whole Bible of their own of the teachings of uh, Joseph Smith who claims that he had a special revelation from God from an, an angel, the angel Moroni that came down and uh, gave him the ability to find these uh, golden speculations uh, glasses, spectacles that uh, he was able to read uh, golden tablets that he found in the mount, uh, the hills of North Car uh, of New York, the mountains of North New York. We think of New York and we think of the big city there, but uh, there's a lot of farmland in New York and, and upstate New York has a lot of uh, mountains and things like that. And he, uh, he supposedly had this vision on one of those mountains uh, there. Of course, that was before they moved uh, out west in order to to escape uh, the uh, persecution that they faced. Uh, but there have always been people that have claimed a special knowledge from God, a special word from God, a special uh, uh, dispensation from God. And they based their religions, they based their theology on those. And Gnosticism was a form of that type of uh, specialization that was drawing people away. And John was dealing with that in this scripture and talking about what does it mean to be a true follower of Jesus Christ? What does it mean to be a true Christian? Not to focus on a special knowledge that's given from someone who claims that they've given us uh, been given this special dispensation from God. But last week we talked about uh, the fact that he said a true follower of Jesus Christ is someone who walks in the light. He, we talked, he talked about at the beginning of 1 John that uh, Jesus is the light, that Jesus is truth, that uh, Jesus is uh, the light of, of God and that we need to then walk in that light, live in that light, to be someone who everything that you do needs to be based on living uh, out the, the true relationship that you have with uh, Jesus Christ by allowing yourself to be living in the light. Well, 
tonight there are three kinds of people that uh, that we tend to as preachers to preach to. There are people who uh, the first group of people are uh, people that are made up of those who do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Uh, that's just about in every uh, group of people that you uh, uh, preach to. Is you got a group of people that don't know Jesus, and then you've got a, pe- a group of people that do know Jesus, but they don't act like they know Jesus. And then you have a group of people that they uh, know Jesus, and they know they know Jesus. And uh, so there's three groups of, of people who uh, are... Uh, the basis of all groups of people that that we need to share the gospel with. Those who don't know Jesus, those who do know Jesus but uh, aren't living like they do, and those who know Jesus and live like they know Jesus. And uh, John here has a test. He has a test for uh, those who are uh, falling in this group. He gives... uh, some questions and he says what's the one true test that determines whether or not a man's faith is real or not the second question and just think of your answer now as I say these questions it'll help you understand and know what group you're in what is the one thing that uh, tests uh, determine whether or not a man's faith or a woman's faith is real or not. Second question, what is the one word that demonstrates whether or not you are a mere professor of salvation or a possessor of salvation? What's the one thing, the one word that demonstrates whether or not you are simply saying you have salvation or someone who demonstrates that they have salvation? Last question. Last question. What is the greatest single thing that God desires from His children? What is the one thing that God desires? Now, consequently, those are three questions that we can ask to determine the the validity of your walk with Christ. There's only one answer. Did you uh, catch that? Three questions, one answer. That one answer is obedience. And John talks about obedience here in this passage of Scripture that we're going to look at today. 1 John chapter 2. And we looked at the first couple of verses. We're going to start at verse 3. And he says, And hereby we know that we know Him, if we keep His commandments. He that saith, I know Him, and keepeth not His commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whosoever keepeth His word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby we know that we are in Him. He that saith, He abideth in Him himself also, so walk, even as He walked." Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which ye had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which uh, thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past, and the true light now shineth. He that uh, saith... He is in the light and hath his, uh, hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. And he that loveth his brother abideth in the light and there is none occasion 
of stumbling in him. And so John says the ultimate test of whether or not you are someone who lives in the light, the ultimate test of whether or not you know who Jesus Christ is and know that you are in the light is obedience. Obedience to serving God, obedience to living for God, obedience to uh, the commands of God, and it ought to dictate and to rule in everything that you do. He says, hereby we know that we know Him. Uh, we know that we know Him. I always get tied up on that a little bit. We know that we know. Here's how we know we know. We know we know by whether or not we are obedient to God. If we keep His commandments. Keeping His commandments is obedience. You can't keep a commandment and not obey God. And uh, just think about that. John is writing to a group of believers and many of them most likely are of uh, uh, the children of Israel, the Israelites, the Jewish, however you want to phrase it, uh, sons of Abraham. They know what the commandments are. They have been taught the commandments uh, that that God gave Moses to give to the children of Israel. They understand and know. uh, And most likely they're thinking about uh, the uh, 630-some-odd uh, other commands that were written in order to try and help the people of Israel to keep the Ten Commandments. You know, they God made it simple. I'll give you ten commands you, you're supposed to follow. And they had to make 630-some-odd commandments in order to try and keep those ten. Uh, but uh, John says, here's how you can know that you know that You live and walk and follow uh, the commandments of God that you know that you have a relationship with God if you keep His commandments. Now, this sounds like legalism. This sounds like uh, uh, being the type of person that is like the the Pharisees and Sadducees. They would love this uh, type of teaching. Uh, Well, we've got to keep the commandments in order to be God's people. We've got to keep the commandments if we're going to be able to worship God the way He wants us to worship. If we keep the command... uh, So John's not throwing the commandments out. He's not saying... uh, look, you need to just uh, follow Jesus and, and do away with all the commandments. Uh, John says, uh, John is through the leadership of the Holy Spirit is saying that we are, uh, we know that we have a relationship with God when we desire to keep God's commandments and to live according to God's desires, obedience. He said, he that saith, I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. He says, you can't... It's like... You can't be on a diet and eat all the chocolate you want. You're on the wrong kind of diet, right? If you if you say, hey, I'm trying to lose some weight, and then you go to Thanksgiving dinner and you eat all the food that you want, and you eat the dressing and the... And the uh, uh, sweet potato casserole and you eat 
uh, pecan pie with ice cream and you just and you're not just eating a, a little piece with just a little on there. You get the biggest hunk of, of pecan pie you can get and you you'd get a big old. I had an uncle one time that uh, whenever he'd put Cool Whip on top of his uh, pie, he would get a big old spoon and he'd take half the uh, the tub of, of Cool Whip and one spoonful and dob it on his on his uh pecan pie and you can't say you're on a diet and eat like that can you it doesn't bear out you you can say it but it ain't true right you can say you're a christian but if you don't follow the commandments of god if you don't follow what god wants you to do if you're not living according to what god wants for you in your life then you you can say you're a Christian all you want to, but you're a liar, he says. You're telling a lie if you don't follow the commandments of God, if you don't live according to the commandments of God. If you don't, you, you, can't, you can't say you're a Christian and go out and live like the world. You can't say you are a follower of Christ and have nothing to do with Christ, to have no desire to follow Christ, to have no desire to serve Christ, and still claim to be a Christian. Let, let's 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 not just put it where uh, where the rubber meets the road. Let's make it hurt. You can't be a Christian and never want to come to church. You can't be a Christian. You can't have a relationship with Jesus Christ and never have a desire to fellowship with other believers. Never have a desire to show devotion to follow after Christ. You can't be a Christian and never have a desire to share your faith with other people. You can't be a Christian and not have a desire to serve others and help others who are hurting. You can't be a Christian and not have a desire to exhibit the love of Jesus Christ, to exhibit the love of God in your life. Because if you're not, if you're not, if you don't have that desire, you're not, you are, you know, we were, we were talking about, uh, our Christian walk during discipleship and talking about all that stuff and I and I uh, something just popped in my head and and made me think and it, it applies here too. You know, we put so much emphasis on the birthing process of someone becoming born again, but after that we just we just we just forget all about anything else. Am I right? I mean, it, it'd be like. Uh, putting so much effort in prenatal care, putting so much effort into getting your wife to the hospital when she's about to give a ba- uh, birth to that baby and then birthing the baby and then going about your business and forgetting the baby back at the hospital when you go on home. Or, or when you take the baby home, you forget and leave the baby out in the car. Until an hour or two later, and you, oh, oh yeah, I got a baby. <laughs> I better bring that child in. And then you bring the baby in, and you've done nothing to prepare for the baby in your home. You don't have a crib. You don't have a, a porta crib. You don't have anything prepared for taking care of that baby. You, you've not bought any diapers. You've not bought any formula or, or baby bottles or or the gazillion things that you have to have in order to take care of a baby. It, you, 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 you don't 
take the time to uh, I, you call up on, on the phone. Mama, I, I'm telling you what, I don't understand what's going on with this baby that we got. All she does is cry. All she's doing is crying. I, I can't, <coughs> can't seem to figure out why in the world the baby's crying. Well, have you tried changing her diaper? No, never thought of looking in there. Well, did you think of, did you think of maybe feeding the baby? <coughs> what did you feed the child? Did you give her something, some milk? Uh, feed her? You mean we're supposed to do that too? Nobody would say those things, right? You know you got to do all of that stuff. <coughs> Excuse me. You got to feed the baby. It seems like as soon as you get it in, that baby's pushing it out, right? You know, uh, you got to take care of all that kind of stuff. Nobody that has a baby thinks anything about. <laughs> the care because it's just so much a part <coughs> of having a baby. Then why is it that when we have someone who comes to know Christ, we're all happy that they've uh, become a Christian, but we think nothing of the care of that new Christian. We think nothing of making sure that Christian grows and develops in their Christian walk. We think nothing of the fact that they need to have the same care and and. Uh, 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 watchful eye that a newborn baby would have and then as they grow and mature we, we expect them to, be a, uh, to grow and mature just like we expect our baby once we have that child we don't uh, you know, after 18 years you're not still feeding that baby formula you're not still okay come here honey let me give you your bottle now let me burp you we don't do that once... The, I mean, after a while, we expect them to uh, uh, want to eat some solid food and we expect them to want to uh, pick up the food on their own and, and learn and examine the food and learn things they like to eat. And we, we expect them to start feed, caring for themselves and, and taking care of their own needs and, and starting to uh, do all the things that are related to growing and maturing as a person but why is it that we don't expect Christians to grow and mature? Why is it that we don't expect those new believers to, to want to, uh, to grow by uh, studying Scripture on their own or spending time in the Word on their own, uh, spending time looking and searching and, and, and uh, uh, reading and, and uh, learning more about Scripture on their own aside from the time that they spend in Sunday school and, and church? We should expect all those things. Those are signs of maturity. Those are signs of growth. Those are signs of becoming a more mature Christian. And then, uh, you know, when, when our children get to a certain age, we anticipate them uh, finding a special person, falling in love, getting married, going out and ha uh, starting a family of their own, uh, buying a house of their own, and and setting up a house and 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 having children of their own. And as Christians, we should expect people, not after eighteen years, but uh, we should, or twenty years, or uh, twenty-five years. You hear me, girls? Thirty years. You can uh, wait until then to have your own family, but uh, but we don't expect Christians to take that long to to uh, to start 
going out and reaching people for Christ, telling other people about their uh, Christian walk, telling other people about their relationship with Christ, and helping other people to know and understand who Jesus Christ is to them so that they can uh, lead that person to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Uh, But, uh, you know, we, we have Christians that are in church for 30, 40, 50, 60 years as a Christian. I remember I was I was just a knee high to a grasshopper and I got baptized right back there. How many people have you led to the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, I hadn't led anybody to Jesus. Why? Why? Why is it that we have people who go their whole life as a Christian and never once think about telling someone else about who Jesus Christ is? It's not like we live in a nation and a country where uh, you can be thrown into prison and all your possessions being taken from you, your family being uh, uh, thrown into to gulags or being killed because you profess your faith in Jesus Christ. We live in a country where you're totally free to not only have a faith in Jesus Christ, to assemble with other believers, but to tell other people about who Jesus Christ is. And yet we act as if, uh, I, I mean, our, our country doesn't have to, ta- uh, to make laws to keep us from uh, sharing our faith. We do it all on our own. But we have the freedom to do that. We have the freedom to share uh, who Jesus Christ is with others. Uh, uh, we, we have that freedom to tell others about uh, our, our faith in, in God. And yet we don't. John says, we, if we profess to walk in the light, and yet we don't exhibit the attributes of living in the light, if we hate our brother, if we uh, tend to... Uh, uh, I, it, something that irks me to death. Now let's just be real. Something that irks me beyond... Anything is to have someone who professes to be a, a good, solid Christian in church and then go and visit them in the business world or go visit them in the secular world. And they act like everybody else in the secular world instead of acting like the person they are in the church. We're not to have two separate lives. We're to take Jesus Christ and take Him into, our, into the secular world. We're supposed to take Jesus Christ and walk in the light in that business world. We're supposed to take Jesus Christ and live as Christ would have us to live and live as an image of, a bearer of Jesus Christ in the world where all the rest of the world is living in darkness and exhibit the attributes and the love and the, and the care and the concern of Jesus Christ in our business life, in our uh, secular life, in the times in which we're at home. We shouldn't live as a different type of person in our homes as the type of person that we live when we come to church. We're to live as Christ, live in the light all the time. John said, if you, don't, if you hate your brother, you don't walk in the light. He says, I'm not writing to you about a new commandment. I'm, I'm writing to you about an old commandment. He that saith that he abides in the light and walks in darkness is a liar. The old commandment is uh, the word which ye have heard from the very beginning. 
he says, this is nothing new. You know, and what he's really getting at here is this. He's saying, look, I'm trying to help you. This isn't a part of Gnosticism. This is not a new uh, uh, faith. This is not a new tradition. I'm telling you what you should have known from the very beginning. This is what I've taught you when we first established the church. This is what I taught you from the very beginning. He says, this is not a new commandment. This is an old commandment. He says, the old commandment is the word which you have heard from the very beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which things is true in him and in you, because the darkness is the past and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. And he that loveth his brother abideth in the light and there is no occasion of stumbling in him. The way in which we continue to walk in the light, the way in which we continue to live in the light, the way in which we ensure that we walk in the light is to live in the light to continue to abide in Him, to abide in Jesus Christ, to live and do the things that God... It's all about obedience. John says the way in which we ensure that we walk in light, the way that you ensure that you exhibit Jesus Christ is to obey Jesus Christ in the home. Not just at church, in the home, in the workplace, in the moments in which... You'd love to strike out and lash out at someone for being uh, uh, ugly and mean to you. Live in the light in those moments. Live in the light when someone uh, falsely accuses you, when someone uh, derides you and persecutes you. Live in the light. And so John is talking about obeying the commandments of God, living and walking in those commandments day in and day out throughout our life. And that's the the challenge that we have. If we're to share our faith with others, if if we're to be true Christians, we ought to want to grow. We ought to want to live and, and see our lives mature in Christ. We can't be... We can't call ourselves a true believer if we don't grow in Christ and share our faith with others and see others come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Now, let me just share one thing. God doesn't call us to save anybody. He calls us to share our our faith with others. We're to be committed to sharing the gospel. It's up to the Holy Spirit to lead other people, uh, lead people to Christ. We need to, our task is to faithfully share the love of Jesus Christ as best we can and leave it up to God to win that uh, person to Jesus Christ. Leave it up to Christ. That takes a lot of pressure off, doesn't it? All we've got to do is to be faithful. And really it takes away the main argument that most Christians have for not sharing their faith. Number one argument is, is, well, I'm afraid they're going to reject me. 
They're going to, re- they're going to just slam the door in my face. They're going to tell I'm, I'm crazy. They're going to say you're some Bible thumper. It's not your task to win them to Jesus. It's your task to share your faith with them, to share the love of Jesus Christ, allow the Holy Spirit to work in their heart and life, to allow the Holy Spirit to lead them to Christ. That is our task. But too often we fail to even do that. Too often we fail because we're not living in obedience to Jesus Christ. So our task as believers in Jesus Christ is to be obedient, to live as Christ would have us to live when we're digging ditches. One of the things I hated the most was when I was young was we had a Rottweiler. Now, that's those demon dogs, you know, that looks like a beefed-up Doberman Pinscher. We had a Rottweiler, and we, we had two of them, not at the same time. We had one, and uh, it lived its life and died, and we got another one. And uh, everybody hated those dogs because they, they were just mean-looking, ugly, but they were the most loving dogs you'd ever find. I loved them. And they lived outside... But every so often, my mom and dad would say, Carl, you, you took a responsibility to take that dog. We got that dog. Now you got to go clean up after that dog. you got to go muck out its pen. you got to go out there and take care because it's just walking all over all that stuff. you got to go out there and clean up. I hated that. With a passion, I hated that. But I did it. Because it was a part of owning a dog, taking care of a dog. You couldn't. It's not all uh, uh, pretty bows and and uh, and play and fetch. It's doing some of the nastiest things in the world in order to take care of that dog. And being a Christian, walking the light is to walk in the light, even when we're doing those kind of things. Even when we're doing some of the things we hate the most. When we're in the midst of our job and it is uh, the worst kind of thing. If, if we're working a job where we're cleaning toilets, we need to w- clean toilets like Jesus would have us to clean. If we're digging ditches, we need to dig a ditch like Jesus would have us dig. If we're uh, uh, cleaning bedpans in the nursing home, we need to clean bedpans like Jesus would have us to clean those bedpans. As if we're doing it for Jesus. We need to do everything we can and and live every moment of our life in the light of Jesus Christ. Because that's what He calls us to do. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. In everything that we do. Not just the good times when we're singing hymns in church, but in every aspect. And at 3 o'clock in the morning, when we wake up off the couch and get get ready to go to bed, we are, at 3 o'clock in the morning, we're to be walking in the light, not in the darkness. Because when you walk in the darkness, what happens? You stumble, you fall, you, you you stub your toe. You do all kinds of things. We're to walk in the light of Jesus Christ. Not our iPhone, but of Jesus Christ. And we're to live according to what Christ would have us to do in every moment. So that when you do stub your toe at 3 o'clock in the morning, you're not going to say a cuss word. You're going to say, praise the Lord. (laughs) 
or you're going to just say uh, what I, I, I my habit was from a very young age was well I don't say cuss words so what do I what do you do? Uh, somebody asked me one time in an interview uh, going to a church what what happens when you uh, get up in the middle of the night and you stub your toe what do you say and I said ouch <laughs> that's what you say ouch ah you don't you don't say a cuss word you say ouch you live and you walk in the light you live that way every moment because that's what he calls us to do walk in obedience let's pray